This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. 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 This is MRN Radio, the voice of NASCAR. This is 50 years of MRN. Certainly his style and his ability on the air, the way he painted a picture. Earnhardt is using every inch of racetrack, and Elliott gets together with him. Earnhardt goes off in the grass, brings the car back out of the speedway, and keeps it in a straight line and holds on to the lead. Unbelievable. Richard Petty goes back in front. They both spin. They're in the wall. Petty is sliding, slamming into the wall. From the shores of Daytona Beach, Florida, here's your host, Susie Armstrong. Welcome to Daytona Beach, Florida, for a special edition of NASCAR Live. 50 years of MRN, presented by the Motor Racing Network and parent company NASCAR. I'm Susie Armstrong. Tonight, I've teamed up with longtime broadcast partner Fred Armstrong to distract you for one hour with our perspective on the story of NASCAR's radio network, formed near the shores of Daytona Beach at Daytona International Speedway. The Motor Racing Network will launch its 50th NASCAR season as the green flies over Daytona Speedweeks presented by Advent Health, culminating in the 60-second running of the Daytona 500. From humble beginnings to the modern era, the MRN archives allow us to relive some of the best memories, race calls, funny moments, and important milestones. But first things first, let's reset the clock 50 years and take a look back with Fred. The concept of racing on radio wasn't new in the late 60s, but NASCAR coverage was a scattered phenom, divided among a loose network of radio stations and independent announcer groups working at various tracks. In 1969, NASCAR founder and president Bill France Sr. threw open the front gates of the new 2.66-mile high-banked Alabama International Motor Speedway. For France, live radio coverage was an essential part of a promotional strategy to woo new fans to his sparkling palace of speed and equal NASCAR's stunning success at Daytona International Speedway. To make it happen, Bill Sr. reached out to radio partner and producer Dick Huffman, whose live flag-to-flag Daytona 500 coverage from flagship station WNDB had grown to a network of over 40 affiliates. France Sr. offered Huffman the Dega broadcast rights outright, but Huffman politely declined, prompting Big Bill to challenge his top deputy, the late Jim Foster, with the task of finding the right broadcast partner. Bill and I had been talking about the possibility of, of having our own network and uh, using it as a promotional arm to, uh, to build racing around the country and to help all the other tracks. At that time, uh, uh, 
WNDB, uh, owned by the News Journal here, uh, was doing the broadcast of the races, and they did a real great job. Uh, Dick Huffman was the general manager. Uh, Ted Webb was the anchor announcer. Uh, Bob Smith, who's now vice president at Speedway and NASCAR, was one of the uh, turn announcers. And uh, they, they did a great job. But uh, we saw way, visions of making it more than just a, uh, a local uh, run broadcast. And uh, so Bill did give the go-ahead, and, and it started from there. Foster turned to Hank Schoolfield whose Universal Racing Network microphones were already a familiar fixture, broadcasting grand national events at North Wilkesboro and Martinsville to a small network of about 45 stations in the Carolinas, Georgia, and Virginia. Schoolfield gladly agreed. And in 1969, the Universal Racing Network was on hand to report live as Richard Brickhouse took the checkers in the inaugural Alabama 500. Second flag is cocked and ready. Richard Brickhouse of Rocky Point, North Carolina, moving down through the west turn. The second flag is down in your winner, Richard Brickhouse. Confetti going up from the crowd. They poured up the programs or whatever they had and throwing confetti up in the air as Richard Brickhouse takes the win here at the Alabama International Motor Speedway. Following the event, Foster and France agreed that radio was the way to go. Pitching Schoolfield with a proposition to produce live flag-to-flag coverage of everything from Daytona Speed Weeks to Grand National, ARCA, and late model stock cars at Talladega. But the deal was not to be. Further France and Foster discussions sparked the idea to form an in-house broadcast group. And the Motor Racing Network fired its engines as the 60s took the checkered flag. Foster went to work, scouting out talent to serve in front of and behind the microphones. Having to look no further than Talladega Director of Promotions Roger Baer to fill the bill as MRN's first general manager. So I had some experience, and Jim called me. I was the promoter at Talladega at the time when we opened the track. and said, what do you think about starting a radio network, and are you interested in doing it? I said, well, sure, I'd be interested in, in working on that. Well, he said, get yourself down here. And that was in about probably November. So at first of December, I went down to Daytona right after Thanksgiving and stayed at a motel across the street at what was then a Holiday Inn. Every day we set up our, our office was on a Pepsi cooler right outside Bill Francis' office in Jim Foster. It was the end of a hallway. France was on the left and Foster was on the right. I had chair and I had a Pepsi cooler. Seeking strength in the broadcast booth, France Foster and Bear courted veteran sportscaster Ken Squire, who became the first voice of the network. For Squire, the job wasn't to be taken for granted. Of course, I was fortunate. I came from a little track up in Vermont with a smaller radio station that my dad had. And uh, I knew a little about the value of radio and people's imaginations. That's not to say I ever did anything that wasn't totally factual. However, uh, you did know the limitations. And uh, when you could step over the line and make it real good, which was important. NASCAR Hall of Famer Ken Squire, truly among the very best to lift an MRN microphone. Coming up, we'll head back to 1970. Ken Squire and Jim Foster have big plans for the network and NASCAR as we continue with 50 years of MRN. If you have a car, truck, boat, or other vehicle that's seen better days, but you're not sure what to do with it, 
Turn your clunker into a chunk of change in support of children's health care initiatives when you donate it to the NASCAR Foundation. It's simple and free. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to have your vehicle towed and auctioned off. You get a tax deduction and the NASCAR Foundation gets the proceeds. Put your vehicle to good use for the kids by donating it today. Call 844-NASCAR-9 today. That's 844-NASCAR-9. Hey guys, it's Dylan Welch. He's Tyler Burnett. We're the co-hosts of the Rip the Fence podcast. If you like non-wing sprint cars, midgets, silver crown, traditional non-wing dirt track racing, we've got the podcast for you. Fine job from Chris Rebell up front. Dirt racing is about going to the racetrack and enjoying it. Non-wing open wheel racing's best podcast. Dylan and I chat with some of the biggest stars from past and present. Chris Rebell, a winner at Eldora. It's the Rip the Fence podcast available on MRN.com and your favorite podcast app. Coming up, the early years of the network. This is 50 Years of MRN on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Jeff Gordon has come from virtually nowhere. He's one of NASCAR's all-time greats. For the 93rd time in his career. A pioneering champion. Be at the right place at the right time. The kid who took on the good old boys and changed NASCAR. We started to go toe-to-toe from Earnhardt. MRN presents a 10-part podcast series that traces Jeff Gordon's rise to NASCAR legend. Jeff Gordon, the colorful career of the Rainbow Warrior. Available now at MRN.com and your favorite podcast source. When you're on the go, missing the side-by-side action at the racetrack isn't a problem. Here comes Logano on the high side. He drives it deep into turn number two. Motor Racing Network brings the NASCAR race to you, wherever you are, so you don't miss one lap of the excitement. Denny Hamlin has won the 61st edition of the Daytona 500. You are the man, D.A. The power of radio to the imagination of the listener. Tune in to the Motor Racing Network. Visit MRN.com for an affiliate list in your local area. This is 50 Years of MRN. Welcome back to 50 Years of MRN. I'm Susie Armstrong. Just as the motor racing network was taking shape in the early 70s, NASCAR founder, Big Bill France, summoned Jim Foster and Ken Squire to jumpstart the fledgling MRN and secure local affiliates to rebroadcast NASCAR events, which became the bigger challenge. Thankfully, the automobile was still an American fascination, and that enthusiasm propelled Big Bill's radio network to new heights. With explosive expansion came golden opportunities for rank-and-file sportscasters working the short tracks, ballparks, and local arenas. For MRN co-founder and anchorman Ken Squire, France's vision was the driving force behind it all. The goals in racing radio at the time that the Motor Racing Network started were far different from what they are today. Today, it's like everything in America. It's based on sales, based on commercials, all that kind of thing. Big Bill, his sales were on the drivers that he put together that were rather unique. Nobody would have believed that, but it was true. I mean, you think about some of those great people like Fireball Roberts, who didn't particularly light up as a... uh, speaker, but he was so sincere in what he said. He wanted to build uh, an entire sport 
and the son of a gun did it and uh, and took great pleasure in the fact that we'd clear three or four hundred radio stations and he didn't care particularly if we cleared the big towns and the cities or the small communities because he knew that the core of this thing was still folks from small towns and the fact that that was so dedicated to those kind of people was one of the major thrusts that drove this sport forward. Former NASCAR president Mike Helton. There was some coverage of the sport through Universal Racing Network, um, but there wasn't a completeness of coverage. And I think what the France family and their vision was to tie all the events together. And in, in that in that moment in the 60s and the 70s, uh, before there was the ability or the opportunity to be on TV as much, there was a need in their minds, and correctly so, to to be able to let the NASCAR fans follow the live event. And the best opportunity and the best way to do that at that moment was have a solid, organized radio broadcast because people survived greatly on radio in that era for news and entertainment uh, and and other sports were using it uh, you you would you would become attached to your local radio stations because of their coverage of local sports and it was only natural that on Saturday night or Sunday afternoon mainly that you you were attached to your radio to follow NASCAR and I think that's what the France family went out to, to put together. For Big Bill, talent and authenticity were key. And he found both when he recruited a short track announcer from Elkin, North Carolina, named Barney Hall. One of the finest racing commentators in the South. From WIFM, Elkin, North Carolina, on Pit Road, Barney Hall. Thank you, Ken. As we look down toward the east end of the speedway, all we can see, of course, is pit crews. And I had been doing some public address announcing at a couple of different tracks, and I was working at Bristol, Tennessee, the Bristol Motor Speedway up there. And Big Bill France was in attendance that day, and uh, he heard me doing PA, and he came over in, in the booth and uh, introduced himself, which he, he didn't need an introduction, but he said, boy, I, I like the way you talk. He said, you talk real, real good. He said, have you ever thought about uh, working the Daytona 500 Network. I didn't even know they had a Daytona 500 Network at that particular time because green wasn't the word for me, man. I, I didn't know a whole lot about the business. But anyway, he said they're going to have an audition in Daytona on Monday, and they've invited uh, several announcers around the country to come down and audition for a spot that will be open. He said, I'd like for you to come down there and do that. Can you do it? And uh, I was almost uh, embarrassed to tell him that uh, I didn't have the money to come to Daytona and, and miss my regular job. But I finally told him that, and he said, well, just come down there anyway. And he said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a $100 bill. And he said, you come to Daytona, and you do the qualifying races, the Saturday races, and the Sunday races. And he said, if we like what you do, uh, you keep the $100 bill. We'll work out some kind of a deal to do all the races. And I said, well, I appreciate it. And as it turned out, everything that happened the first 50 laps in that Daytona 500 happened up in turns three and four. Two or three cars hit the wall. One car went upside down, landed on top of another. And I forgot to be kind of mic scared at that point because everything was going on and I just uh, wanted to make sure I didn't miss any of it. Apparently Big Bill liked what he heard and uh, he called me a little bit later. Bob Montgomery was their regular announcer at that time and uh, Big Bill come said come down and they told him boy you got a job so that's sort of how I jumped into it. Former MRN President David Hyatt recalls the strength of Barney's influence helping NASCAR 
reach a broader audience. Uh, He was one of Big Bill's confidants because Barney was also a good friend with some others who were in the sport at that time. Junior Johnson kind of brought Barney into the sport. They grew up and lived in virtually the same part of the country in western North Carolina up in the hills. And Junior uh, got Barney kind of interested in racing. Uh, Barney had been around it a little bit, but Junior really brought him to the table. So Junior and Big Bill and all those folks were the ones who were getting NASCAR off the ground. And Barney had a voice. Barney was already on a radio station, and he was willing to go do the coverage. He would go out from the little radio station he worked at in Elkin, North Carolina, WIFM. And he would go out, travel, and he would do some races and do race coverage. And he would come back, and he would take all the stuff that they sent him, uh, NASCAR and, and Daytona and any racetrack's PR department. And he'd make content out of it for his radio show. And I think they had great respect for that because they saw that he believed in the sport and that it had a future. The late Barney Hall was one of many who enjoyed long careers on MRN's airwaves, as recognized by the NASCAR Hall of Fame Squire Hall Award bestowed upon a media member who exudes the integrity, quality, and humanity that Barney stood for and practiced over the course of his five-decade tenure. MRN is the voice of NASCAR, and Barney Hall was and always will be the voice of MRN. More with Barney next on 50 Years of MRN. Here's a special message for those of you who owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes. The IRS has special programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. Call the Federal Tax Management Helpline that has been set up for you, 800-242-1706. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. Once you've qualified and enrolled, the IRS will stop all the collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. If you owe more than 10000 in taxes, call for free information and to see if you qualify. Take down the number now for the Federal Tax Management Hotline, 800-242-1706. That's 800-242-1706. 800-242-1706. Up next, we remember the late, great Barney Hall. This is 50 Years of MRN on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. NASCAR local, regional, and international racing. Grassroots racing from the short tracks of America to the road courses of Europe and Mexico. I'm Kyle Rickey. Join Hannah Newhouse and me for NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Whelan and Hercules Tires. Each week on the Motor Racing Network, we'll talk with the race winners, newsmakers, and grassroots racing personalities. NASCAR Coast to Coast on the Motor Racing Network. The 1993 Cup Series season had more than its fair share of twists and turns. Checkered flags waving. I look in my mirror, and here's Earnhardt right on my tail, and he goes down low to pass me. And I said, oh, no, you don't. As Wallace spins, Wallace's car goes on its nose. Here's stories that you've never heard before in a 10-part series called The 1993 Season. And Davey was behind me, and we came off the corner, and there's a guy standing in the middle of the racetrack. You can download it for free on iTunes and at MRN.com right now. Tonight, we celebrate 50 years of the Motor Racing Network right here where it all began in Daytona Beach, Florida. 
where MRN's 50th season got underway yesterday with flag-to-flag coverage of the Bush Clash at Daytona. For the majority of MRN's half-century on the air, one man rose from the pits and turns to the booth, ultimately becoming the backbone of MRN's coverage and a friend to many. Barney Hall's personality, charm, wit, and no-nonsense style set the bar for all of us. Here at the World Center of Racing, they're waiting for the start of the 50th running of the Daytona 500 and for the call, celebrating 50 years of broadcasting NASCAR racing, MRN Radio's Barney Hall. Every Daytona 500 has been special. This one could be the best one we've ever seen at this racetrack. Here they come down the line. Hang on for 200 laps of excitement here at Daytona this afternoon. The Great American Race is underway. Here's Buddy Baker and a new leader at turn number three. Baker has put the K&K Dodge out front. Here comes Glotzbach. He's moving underneath David. Pearson, and whoa, Glossback sideways. Here's Pearson down to the number three corner. Petty one car length back. Pearson eases out against the wall in turn three, and he gets a little bit high. Down to the inside comes Richard Petty. They're just moving out of turn number two in front of Mike Joy. As a broadcaster, he's a model of restraint. You rarely hear him get very excited, uh, and when he does, you know it's it, you know it's really something big. Earnhardt is using every inch of racetrack, and Elliott gets together with him. Earnhardt goes off in the grass, brings the car back out of the speedway, and keeps it in a straight line and holds on to the lead. Unbelievable. No matter what's happening, the guy's spinning out or wrecking or whatever, you don't scream and holler. You get excited in your voice, but there's a way to do it without screaming and yelling. One more lap around. Burton goes to the inside. They touch. They bump. They head for turn number one, trading sheet medals. Here comes NASCAR president, Mike Helton. When I think of Barney Hall, I think about the inauguration that I had into the sport. Barney Hall was the, the voice that gave me so much insight listening to the radio. It educated me on NASCAR, but it also entertained me and my family. Here in the tower at Daytona International Speedway, the president of NASCAR is with me right now, Mr. Bill France, Jr., and we have a special honor at Daytona today. Barney, you're exactly correct, and in a few moments we'll be talking with uh, Mr. Ronald Reagan, the president of the United States, for the uh, command to start the engines. Gentlemen, start your engines. Another special element has been added to the Daytona 500 here this afternoon that has just stepped into our booth, the president of the United States, George Bush. I'll tell you what we'd like you to do if you would like to do it. When they come off turn number four and that pace car hits pit road, would you like to say here they come to the green for us? Sure. You pinch me when I'm supposed to say I'll here they it. come to the green. <laughs> to cover the action over in turn three of Daytona Beach, Florida, Alan Bestwick. He is radio of NASCAR races throughout almost the entire modern history of the sport. And he is certainly one who's greatly responsible for the growth of the sport, even though typical to him, he'll deflect any credit for any role in it at all. And to our good friend from radio station WIFM Elkin, North Carolina, Barney Hall. Thank you, Ken. It was the most exciting race. I'd given up smoking until those last ten laps, and now I've got another pack out puffing on one and didn't even realize it. I ran out of fingernails about the last five laps also. It's one of the most exciting finishes I've ever seen at Daytona. Here they come to the stripe. Richard Petty's STP Oldsmobile. Waltrip dives to the inside. Petty almost put him off in the grass, and Richard Petty will win the Daytona 500. As they cross the stripe under the checkered flag, making it official, and Dale Earnhardt has won the Daytona 500. Dale Jr. is in front. Let's go down to his pit and get a word. When I was a kid, you know, listen to the races on the radio. That was the guy you wanted to hear him from. Barney Hall said in a commercial break, tell him your dad would have been proud. <laughs> well, Barney Hall is number one in my book. 
I put you second to him. So anything he says is right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that right now. Field is about 300 yards away from the start-finish line. Can you hold your breath for 400 miles? That's what the drivers say. It is Jeff Gordon ahead by some three car lengths over. Yeah, Barney is a legend. Uh, you know, there's, there's his, his voice is so distinct, and you know he's he's so witty and. You know, you get on scale every day and check on, on the weight deal. I've been impressed with it because you have lost a lot of weight. I remember when you had more chin than a Chinese phone book. A grand marshal for today's race is Ron White. You know him from the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Somebody told me that you had a chance to be in another movie called The Naked and the Dead and you were going to play both parts. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know why I would agree to come up here and take this kind of abuse from you two guys. There is a race going on out here. Let's get back to it. Naked and what? Dead? Both parts? That's Barney Hall, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, seven pounds? That's an old what commercial. You do, lose your wallet? It's old. <laughs> it seems to be an annual event when uh, uh, Goodies comes to town. Trace is around along with Richard Petty. Good to see you again, bud. You too. Hey, who was tweeting me about coming up here doing this show? I don't mean My tweeter's broke. <laughs> your tweeter's broke. <laughs> now the boy's been on a two-week diet and already he's lost 14 days. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson takes him off to turn number one. He gets away from the lap traffic. The voice, the wit, the knowledge, the detail behind all of it. You know, just such a staple. 34 of the best Winston Cup drivers in the world get ready to run for 400 miles here on a two-mile track. It is one tough piece of asphalt. This is going to be a whale of a finish. White flag lap as they come down to the line. One to go. Racing for the lead in the Winston 500. Contact between Earnhardt Jr. and Skinner. You know, what makes a good broadcaster as far as a race? To me, there's three things. One is tell the people what's going on on the racetrack at that present time as much as you can. Cover the pit stops. Third, you catch the guy that falls out and he's in the garage. You go talk to him and find out what happened and why. If you do those three things, you can't do a bad broadcast. I don't care who you are because there's nothing else to do. You cover those three areas, you've covered the race. Kurt Busch put a good block on to keep him on the outside up in turn number four. As they come back to the line, he is there this time. He's going after the lead in turn one. Fans will keep you straight, too. They'll say, you know, you shouldn't have done that last week, or why didn't you cover this? If you listen to them, you'll, you'll pretty well stay on top of everything. They come down to the line. Green flag goes in the air. Two by two is a head off into turn number one, and already they're getting It's the greatest feeling in the world line, when so you get my nice. age anyway to uh, have done most of your life what you wanted to do, got paid for it, had the best seat in the house, and you can't ask for any better than that. Barney's dry humor and easygoing manner on and off the air. Those are the traits we all miss to this day. But the other mastery of Barney Hall were the humble North Carolinians' famous air highlights. And those are the other gems we'll never forget. Some of the best are coming up next when we return to 50 years of MRN from the shores of Daytona Beach, Florida. When it comes to weekends, we're always left wondering what to do. If only there was something exciting going on that everyone will enjoy. Then you want the full throttle excitement of the Fan Shield 500 Speed Fest coming to Phoenix Raceway March 6th through the 8th. You bring all your friends and family, and we'll bring the festival fun with camping, great food, and access to the infield and NASCAR garages. Get your seats now at phoenixraceway.com. 
Wing Sprint Cars. That's what we talk about on Wing Nation, presented by Hercules Tire. I'm Steve Post. Join Aaron Everham and me Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time as we talk with race winners and newsmakers from dirt tracks across America. From the world of outlaws to your local track, we cover the greatest show on dirt. Join us live Tuesday on Facebook Live or wingnation.com. Or catch our Tuesday and Thursday podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast provider. Wing Nation, your home for Wing Sprint Car Talk. The 1976 and 79 Daytona 500s were two of the greatest races in NASCAR history and significant to the network's boom in the 70s. This is 50 years of MRN on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. NASCAR is back. The 2020 NASCAR Cup Series season kicks off. 101,000 are on their feet. With Racing Super Bowl, the Daytona 500. The Great American Race is underway, and they're headed to one. Sunday, February 16th. Hamlin tries to block. Logano pinned in behind him. As only the Motor Racing Network can bring you. A multi-car pileup. All the excitement of NASCAR's biggest race is here. The Daytona 500. Sunday, February 16th on the Motor Racing Network. Jeff Gordon has come from virtually nowhere. He's one of NASCAR's all-time greats. For the 93rd time in his career. A pioneering champion. Be at the right place at the right time. The kid who took on the good old boys and changed NASCAR. We started to go toe-to-toe from Earnhardt. MRN presents a 10-part podcast series that traces Jeff Gordon's rise to NASCAR legend. Jeff Gordon, the colorful career of the Rainbow Warrior. Available now at MRN.com and your favorite podcast source. Welcome back to 50 Years of MRN. I'm Susie Armstrong. For five decades, MRN has been the voice of NASCAR, providing live flag-to-flag coverage to radio listeners all over the globe. For many, some of the most dramatic, historic, and thrilling race calls have occurred as the action unfolds in the Daytona 500. And among those, two 500 memories stand out to many the 1976 and 1979 editions of the Great American Race. Here's Fred Armstrong. You can't talk about the clutch moments in NASCAR without discussing the crown jewel of all NASCAR events, the Daytona 500. Well, the most spectacular automobile race in the world, the Daytona 500. We get ready to run the most prestigious stock car race in the world. In this, the greatest stock car race in the world, the Daytona 500. While every clash at the World Center of Racing is spectacular in its own right, certain events punctuate NASCAR history, like the 1976 Great American Race. Richard Petty, David Pearson, jaw-dropping. He shows his nose to the inside, the Furilator Mercury, and now a slower car in the way. David Pearson has the lead going into turn number three. As they hit the banking, they're three abreast with a lap car. Pearson moves in front of the STP Dodge. Petty comes back to the inside. They almost touch as they move down low in the bank. They're going to be side by side as they exit the bank and head for the finish line. Richard Petty goes back in front. They both spin. They're in the wall. Petty is sliding, slamming into the wall. He's coming down toward the finish line. Will he make it? He's still moving. The car stops. 300, 400 feet shy of the finish line. Pearson is still running. Here's Petty trying to fire to come across the line. David Pearson moving down through as they come to the stripe. The winner is car number 21. It's going to be, I believe, 
Pearson's victory will just have to wait and see. The uncanny finish is one that still ranks high with NASCAR fans. MRN's first general manager, Roger Bear, was there. And makes, I think, the greatest call in, that's ever been made in the sport when he calls that action as they're coming down off turn four, crashing. And I, there I was watching that happen and listening to it on my headset and enjoying it as a race fan and as, a, as the guy at, at MRN Radio enjoying the call even more. MRN personality and NASCAR Hall of Fame executive director Winston Kelly argues that the 1976 Daytona 500 finish is the greatest in NASCAR history. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we've got a, uh, an exhibit in the Hall of Fame here called Greatest Finishes, and they had the five top finishes that I had picked, and I'd forgotten doing this a few months ago. And my number one is a 1976 Daytona 500, just the impact that that race had and the, the great finish that it was. And that's just a notch ahead of the 79 Daytona 500. But the call that Ken Squire had at the end of that broadcast and the way that he described him sliding, slamming, coming across the line, and then describing how Richard's car wouldn't restart and describing how David was able to get his car. And he said, you know, and the winner is going to be car number 21. I mean, I'll never forget that. Just three years later, another incredible moment would unfold on the white flag lap of the 1979 Daytona 500 as Donnie Allison and Cale Yarborough battled for the lead. The events to follow would hand the win to Richard Petty and ignite one of the most infamous fistfights in NASCAR history. Donnie leads Cale Yarborough by two car lengths. They're one groove from the top of the racetrack, and Cale's Bush Oldsmobile stays aligned right on the back bumper of Donnie Allison. They're out of turn two. They're down the back stretch. Here goes Cale on the inside. Cale makes the move. He's down very close to the grass. Donnie tries to shut him off. Cale's in the grass. Cale loses it. He tries to pull it back. Donnie side by side. They make contact. Both head toward the wall. They hit the wall in turn number three. We'll have a new leader. We've got them diving down into the infield now as we look for the leaders coming up the back straight away. They are in turn two in front of Mike Joy. Here comes Richard Petty. He leads Darrell Walter by five car lengths. Five more links back to A.J. Foyt. Race traffic. Walter closes, but Petty is up there. Caution is on the racetrack, and it will be a battle back to the start-finish line. Richard Petty takes the outside. He's got Darrell Walter close behind. Two car lengths back to A.J. Foyt. Richard Petty takes it into the trioval. He's got the advantage right now. Here they come to the stripe. Richard Petty's STP Oldsmobile. Waltrip dives to the inside. Petty almost put him off in the grass, and Richard Petty will win the Daytona 500. The Petty crew jumping up and down on pit road, congratulating each other. This Daytona 500 has had it all. Donnie Allison, Cale Yarborough crash in turn three on that final lap. The 1979 Daytona 500 is history. And ladies and gentlemen, the winner is Richard Petty. Jackie, yep. over in turn three, we interrupt for a moment. Cale and Donnie both out of the cars. Bobby Allison has brought his car down there. A furious discussion taking place just down below the banks of turn number three. And now it appears we may have a fist fight. We see drivers and helmets. Safety officials trying to jump in there and separate them as tempers have really flared after this amazing incident on the final lap coming into turn number three. They come, they battle on the ground at this time, and we can't see as others come running in to surround and try to separate those drivers. 
The impromptu bout was well-timed for NASCAR's first live flag-to-flag coverage of the great American race. As fists flew in turn three, snow fell throughout the Northeast, granting the telecast one of the largest live sporting event audiences in television history. The late Barney Hall was calling the action from high atop the tower that day and remembers well the incident from his perspective and from the participants' point of view as well. Got a lot of perspective on it from the people involved in it. Bobby Allison, uh, he feels one way about it. Donnie feels another. Bobby will tell you that he pulled off down there because he thought Donnie might need some help, uh, that they were having car trouble. He didn't realize that that they were about to swap noses or whatever down there. But uh, between those two, it was interesting. And and the thing that that still lingers in my mind, and and there's one of the two participants in that thing, Donnie Allison being one, Cale Yarborough being the other, the beating and banging that they did coming off turn number two until they got into the front straightaway, it became apparent that one their mindset had to be is, if I can't win it, he ain't going to win it. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it ended up. Roger Bear recalls the sport-changing incident. Gary Gerald was on the was on the tower in turn three. And I said, oh, I, I like it out there. I'll go out there with you, and I'll, I'll stand on the tower, and I'll watch the race. And we had a little headset, and I could listen up there as well. I'm on the tower watching the finish of that first telecast, live telecast of the Daytona 500 and the great finish of that race when Cale and Donnie came down the backstretch right in front of us, banging together, slamming into the wall, and then the lap, and then finishing up down below us to our left, not completely in view, but we could pretty much seeing a Bobby coming back around the track on the next lap, pulling down there where they are, and them all getting into a fight. I'm standing right there, and Gary Gerald is making the call. That was one of the great experiences of my life, to be able to enjoy that. NASCAR in the 1970s was wild and wooly, a perfect venue for MRN to find its voice. And those two iconic Daytona clashes helped pioneer the evolving MRN style. Coming up, a historic day in NASCAR. The Intimidator finally takes the checkers in the Daytona 500. This is 50 Years of MRN. Hey guys, it's Dylan Welch. He's Tyler Burnett. We're the co-hosts of the Rip the Fence podcast. If you like non-wing sprint cars, midget, silver crown, traditional non-wing dirt track racing, we've got the podcast for you. Fine job from Chris Rebell up front. Dirt racing is about going to the racetrack and enjoying it. Non-wing open wheel racing's best podcast, Dylan and I chat with some of the biggest stars from past and present. Chris Rebell, a winner at Eldora. It's the Rip the Fence podcast available on MRN.com and your favorite podcast app. For more than 80 years, Detroit Diesel has been the legendary driving force powering Freightliner and Western Star trucks across North America. Through our state-of-the-art Detroit technologies and components and safety systems, we've earned our customers' trust as a reliable business partner dedicated to improving their bottom line. It's no wonder they continue to depend on Detroit to keep them safe and efficient on the road. When you demand it all, demand Detroit. Earnhardt finally won the 500, an important moment in the 90s. That's next. This is 50 Years of MRN on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Hey, this is Bubba Wallace, driver of the number 43 Victory Junction Chevrolet Camaro. Victory Junction is a year-round camp for children living with serious and chronic medical conditions. Each year, nearly 10,000 children and their families get the chance to play, 
laugh, and do things they never thought possible at Victory Junction at no cost. You can make a difference in a child's life and fill your heart race. Support Victory Junction by texting Bubba to 36413 or donating online at victoryjunction.org slash donate now. When you're on the go, missing the side-by-side action at the racetrack isn't a problem. Here comes Logano on the high side. He drives it deep into turn number two. Motor Racing Network brings the NASCAR race to you, wherever you are, so you don't miss one lap of the excitement. Denny Hamlin has won the 61st edition of the Daytona 500. You are the man, D.A. The power of radio to the imagination of the listener. Tune in to the Motor Racing Network. Visit MRN.com for an affiliate list in your local area. Welcome back to 50 Years of MRN. Thanks for dropping by for a few stories and thrilling Daytona memories straight from the MRN archives. And if you check those old Daytona 500 broadcast tapes, you'll hear a host of finishes where seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, the late Dale Earnhardt, came oh so close to victory, only to see it slip away in the final laps. In 1998, Earnhardt turned the tables, logging a stellar performance in his 20th Great American Race. Dale Earnhardt fans, the 1998 Daytona 500 checkers marked a lifetime memory, and it was a long time coming. Five, can he pull it off? He's working Earnhardt over in turn one. Earnhardt shows the way back into turn one, hugging the inside of the racetrack with Bobby Labonte, a car length behind him. Mayfield rides along in third now, then Ken Schrader in fourth. Fifth is Rusty Wallace. The battle is going on for the sixth Oh, and the trouble off the turn. One car slides down to the inside at his leg speed. He makes contact with John Andretti. Both cars spin down to the inside of the racetrack as everyone else gets away. This is the race for the win of the Daytona 500. Fields in three. Earnhardt swings up to the top of Rick Bass, the lap car on the bottom of the racetrack. Dale Earnhardt puts on the block. Earnhardt slips off turn four. Back to the checkered flag. Earnhardt in front of Bobby Labonte. A lap car to the inside. Rusty Wallace make that Mayfield and Labonte banging for second to the stripe. Dale Earnhardt comes to the white flag and the caution flag and Dale Earnhardt is going to win the Daytona 500 in his 20th try. It'll be Earnhardt coming to the stripe, finally eluding the one prize in NASCAR racing that has eluded him the most over his illustrious career. And now coming down the pit lane will be the champion of the 1998 Daytona 500, Dale Earnhardt. All the pit crews, all of them, out on pit lane to salute the man who has accomplished so much in this sport except win its biggest race. He doesn't have to answer that question anymore after today. 20 years of hard work, I tell you. Thank the good Lord for a good day. I tell you, we got a lot of great race fans, a lot of people behind me that really all week long they say, this is your week, this is your week. Richard Childress has got one heck of a race team. I'm talking about everybody works for Richard Childress from the 31 to 3 truck. Everybody, all this three team, everybody's worked so hard for this. I can't, I can't believe we won it in the fashion we did. We raced them hard, and we, you know, it's just a good race car. It says a lot for the team. It says a lot for all our sponsors. Everybody works so hard at Chevrolet Monte Carlo. It is something else. MRN anchorman Alan Deswick. You know what? I honestly don't remember a lot about it except the outcome. I think I was still having a hangover of the 1990 race when I was out on the backstretch, and there was a half a lap to go, and it got away from it. And the laps are counting down. 
man, could this possibly be it? And then there's a caution going to come up. Well, at that time, you raced back to the caution. So he's still got to get from where he was when that yellow flag started waving back to the finish line and then follow the pace car all the way around without running out of gas or having a wheel fall off his car and to actually win the race. So I remember just thinking in my head, don't call the election until it's official. Circumstances are what they are. Describe them accurately. But he hasn't won it till he gets back here. And the checkered flag is waving, not the yellow and the white flag. And then obviously the aftermath is just, uh, just awesome. Having watched how cruel that race had been to him, there was no way to not be overjoyed for him. But people had their experiences with Dale Earnhardt. Mine were generally really great ones. And to see his reaction at winning that race and everyone's reaction to him winning that race was still probably one of the coolest things I've experienced uh, in sports. The crewmen all lining up to high-five him was kind of like the that's the lasting image. But then when he got out of the car in victory lane and he's standing there and that smile was bigger than his mustache, beaming, and his fists are in the air and he's shaking his arms up and down and to see the joy that it brought is is a, is a great memory to me. For the Richard Childress Racing Crew, this record had played out so many times before. A dominant day for the black and white Goodwrench number no. 3 Chevrolet had gone by the wayside due to a myriad of circumstances. For Winston Kelly, the victory placed him amid a pit road celebration of epic proportion. Yeah, it's kind of an after the fact because we had gotten so used to him getting so close. You know, I will vividly remember being on pit road watching the crew celebrate and then watching Dale come down and doing his donuts that ended up looking like a three and then coming down pit road and the entire crew, every crew member coming out and congratulating him. And it was almost like relief. You know, I wasn't in victory lane as Jim Phillips was, but it was almost like for those who had watched him come so close, you didn't have to be an Earnhardt fan to know that was a big moment. And, and we try not to be fans. I do love big moments and first, so I have to say I appreciated the significance of that moment. But I also thought this is the first of what now will be several. When you think about it, he had won 10 straight qualifying races. It's like, you know, it was just always that little something that didn't work out at the 500. You're always waiting for something to happen. So it's like, finally. He deserves it. You know, it's it's a cherry on top of his Daytona cake, if you will. MRN pit reporter Winston Kelly seemed to express the sentiment for all of us that day, a feeling that he finally did it, truly for broadcasters and listeners alike. It's one of the greatest memories of the 90s. Coming up, the lighter side of MRN, as life on the road and on the air takes a humorous tack when the characters behind the microphones interact with drivers, fans, and each other. That's next on 50 Years of MRN from the World Center of Racing in Daytona Beach. You have a car, truck, boat, or other vehicle that's seen better days, but you're not sure what to do with it. Turn your clunker into a chunk of change in support of children's health care initiatives when you donate it to the NASCAR Foundation. It's simple and free. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to have your vehicle towed and auctioned off. You get a tax deduction and the NASCAR Foundation gets the proceeds. Put your vehicle to good use for the kids by donating it today. Call 844-NASCAR-9 today. That's 844-NASCAR-9. 
Check out MRN.com for a podcast series called The Tough Trucks of NASCAR. 25 years and still trucking. We'll take you back to some great races. Here they come. They're crashing in the back at the line. Mike Skinner wins it. Some wild moments. Brenda Gone gets turned around and slams hard into the inside retaining wall. And the stories that go with them. We lost the championship, but there was a lot of ugly things that went on behind the scenes. Ended a lot of friendships, actually, to this day. Download the shows for free on iTunes and at MRN.com. We'll share some less serious moments heard on air next. This is 50 Years of MRN on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. NASCAR local, regional, and international racing. Grassroots racing. From the short tracks of America to the road courses of Europe and Mexico. I'm Kyle Rickey. Join Hannah Newhouse and me for NASCAR Coast to Coast. Presented by Whelan and Hercules Tires. Each week on the Motor Racing Network, we'll talk with the race winners, newsmakers, and grassroots racing personalities. NASCAR Coast to Coast on the Motor Racing Network. Here's a special message for those of you who owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes. The IRS has special programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. Take down the number now for the Federal Tax Management Hotline, 800-242-1706, 800-242-1706. Welcome back to 50 Years of MRN. I'm Susie Armstrong. The Motor Racing Network has been the home to dozens of award-winning broadcast talent, some of whom have comedic abilities equal to their play-by-play. Subsequently, MRN's listeners have been treated to a few extemporaneous laugh lines along the way and a host of unplanned humorous situations. The 2004 edition of the Great American Race was the scene of a proud moment for MRN as President George Bush settled into the broadcast booth for the start of the Daytona 500. And at the beckoning of the late Barney Hall, radio listeners around the world heard the Commander-in-Chief call the field to the green flag. A lesser heard utterance was Dave Moody's comment on the Q Channel afterwards. Well, it was a big deal. I mean, the President of the United States was, was coming to the racetrack. And and he was there, and the Secret Service was there, and, and there were all kinds of things that happened that day that don't usually happen, simply because the most powerful man on planet Earth was in attendance to watch the race. And that was all pretty cool, and we were all impressed by it. And then he actually came up to the booth and sat in on our broadcast for a time, which was, which was beyond neat, beyond cool. And I think it was Barney Hall that said, Mr. President, would you like to call a lap? We were under caution at the time. Mr. President, would you like to call a lap? And the president, being the, you know, sports-minded guy and and, and all-around kind of cool guy that he was, said, sure, I'll give it a crack. And they came down for the green flag, and, and he called it all the way to the drop point where the president of the United States handed off the call to me. And to call the start of the Daytona 500, the president of the United States, George Bush. Here they come to the green. It'll take the better part of a lap for them to get up to full song, the dicing. And I did my deal, and then Mike did his deal, and it went around for a couple or three laps, and the president sat in. And then at some point, we had a caution or, or, or went to a commercial. I can't remember which now because it was a long time ago. And we went to commercial. And a little bit of time, a couple or three minutes passed, and, you know, the president said goodbye to everybody. 
I assumed that he and the Secret Service had packed their bags and headed on, head on to their to their next stop. And me, being the wiseacre slash loudmouth that I've always been known to be, during the commercial said, Well, he's no Barney Hall, but the president does a pretty mean throw to turn one. He's still with us, and he uh, appreciates the compliment, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I spoke again the rest of the day without knowing for sure that I was supposed to, because, man, when you're getting backdoored by the president of the United States, at the time, I was a little bit embarrassed, but now it's a moment I'll never forget for sure. Humor has always been a keystone of MRN's broadcast style since the network's inception in 1970. As the 70s unfolded, so did a few new kooky fads. And one in particular started making a regular appearance at NASCAR events. Streaking. And not on the racetrack. But nonetheless, as anchorman Ken Squire and the always colorful commentator Dick Brooks witnessed two streakers at Martinsville Speedway, they just couldn't resist calling the action. At Martinsville, Virginia, the records today look like they're going to go Kaylee Opperall's way with the exception of one unnamed streaker wearing an engineer's cap who did about 150 feet here right up to the right of our broadcast booth just out of the fourth turn and uh, was not apprehended. Marvelous run. We have sad news for the streakers here today. Streaker number two was just caught. The first streaker got away with it, but the second streaker didn't make it. Over here to our right, they they nabbed one. Well, the first streaker must have had Simon eyes on, and he slid through them. The second streaker, he didn't have it. So we're going to have to get him a can of Simon eyes. You'll have to get him bail first because he's in bad trouble with the law. One of the challenges of live radio is that anything said or done on the air can't be taken back and can lead to embarrassment. As retired MRN anchorman Joe Moore experienced while filling in as the Tuesday night talk show host of MRN's NASCAR Live. It was the week after Blaze Alexander was killed in an ARCA crash at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And in the week before this airing of the show, I was at Charlotte and I talked to Jeff Green about Blaze's crash. And they were good buddies. And Jeff gave me some real good audio about that. And so I had that queued up and I was going to open the show with the story about Blaze being killed in in the crash and then punch up the Jeff Green audio talking about what a great guy Blaze was. And <laughs> unfortunately, we also kept on the drop-in machines a lot of little crazy things. I mean, yeah, Woody Woodpecker, cartoon sound bites, anything we could find, and we just pop them in all the time. One of the sound bites that I had was Yosemite Sam, who uh, said... I paid my four bits to see the high diving act, and I'm going to see the high diving act. Well, before we went on the air that night, I was popping that up just to get audio checks, just to make sure they could hear me and all that. And I was playing different little sound bites, and that particular one, I apparently did not disengage. Uh, we go on the air, and I come on being just as sincere and humble as I can be because a man has died. And I'm going to play a soundbite from his good friend, Jeff Green. When I punched the button, you didn't hear Jeff Green. You heard Yosemite Sam. A memorial service will be held tomorrow in Charlotte, North Carolina, 11 a.m. at the Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church. NASCAR Bush Series champion, Jeff Green. I paid my fo- Jeff, uh, we talked to him uh, earlier in the week. and So <laughs> quickly spun the dial, got the right thing, punched it up. 
there it went. But the damage was done. Of course, America's number one choice for authentic motorsports coverage prides itself in professionalism. But hey, these things happen, even in the presence of the Commander-in-Chief. But wait, there's more. And it's all in Episode 6 of MRN Presents 50 Years, The Voice of NASCAR. Check it out on MRN.com. Coming up, we'll wrap things up with a preview of the 62nd Daytona 500. This is 50 Years of MRN, live from Daytona Beach, Florida. The 1993 Cup Series season had more than its fair share of twists and turns. Checkered flags waving. I look in my mirror, and here's Earnhardt right on my tail, and he goes down low to pass me. And I said, oh, no, you don't. As Wallace spins, Wallace's car goes on its nose. Here's stories that you've never heard before in a 10-part series called The 1993 Season. And Davey was behind me, and we came off the corner, and there's a guy standing in the middle of the racetrack. You can download it for free on iTunes and at MRN.com right now. Wing Sprint Cars. That's what we talk about on Wing Nation, presented by Hercules Tire. I'm Steve Post. Join Aaron Everham and me Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time as we talk with race winners and newsmakers from dirt tracks across America. From the world of outlaws to your local track, we cover the greatest show on dirt. Join us live Tuesday on Facebook Live or WingNation.com or catch our Tuesday and Thursday podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast provider. Wing Nation, your home for Wing Sprint Car Talk. The laps are winding down on this special edition of NASCAR Live, 50 years of MRN. But the week is just beginning, and the voices of NASCAR will strap on their microphones this Sunday for the 51st time at the World Center of Racing, starting with the Blue-Green Vacations Duel at Daytona on Thursday to set the starting field for Sunday's 62nd Daytona 500. The Motor Racing Network presents the 12th Annual Daytona 500 Miler. And Dale Earnhardt is going to win the Daytona 500 in his 20th try. Everybody, all this three-team, everybody's worked so hard for this. Dale Earnhardt Jr. pulls down to the start-finish line. He will win the 46th running of the Great American Race. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the 2004 Daytona 500. I'm happy as hell to win the Daytona 500, and I'm glad I got to race my buddy Tony Stewart for the win. This has got to be the greatest day of my life. Austin Dillon leads the pack off turn number four. No one ever thought he would contend for the win, but he's going to do it. He's going to win the 60th running of the Daytona 500. Daytona has a way with just making memories. The great American race is near. And Jimmy Johnson has won the Daytona 500. As the NASCAR world assembles on the world's most famous beach in Daytona, so too does the Motor Racing Network. The world's greatest stock car race, the Daytona 500 miler. MRN will bring the sounds of Daytona to listeners worldwide. They almost touch it. They move down low in the bank, and you're going to be side by side as they exit the bank and head for the finish line. Richard Petty goes back in front. They both spin. They're in the wall. Petty is sliding. Slamming in the wall. With the 29th annual Daytona 500 goes to Bill Elliott. You know, to run around this place for 500 miles and stay out of trouble yeah. is a feat in itself. Earnhardt will not be able to do anything with him. Jeff Gordon wins the Daytona 500 for a second time. You, you recognize how recognized that race is and that, that winner is and, and, you know, how special it, it is to be there. Here they come off turn number four. Dale Jarrett's got the lead. He goes to the inside. Earnhardt's not going to get him. 
Dale Jarrett is going to win. To bring Joe Gibbs uh, his first Daytona 500 win was pretty special. Join the voice of NASCAR for the biggest race of the season. Crossover the final time of four. Trevor Bain playing defense. He's out in front at age 20. He's going to win the 53rd Daytona 500. The great American race. Second flag waving at the start-finish line. Who will get there first? It's Truex on the inside. Hamlin on the outside. And too close to call. Denny Hamlin has won the 58th running of the Daytona 500. That was an amazing finish. Daytona 500 winner. Be sure to tune in Sunday, February 16th for the Great American Race, the 62nd Daytona 500 only on the Motor Racing Network. We'd like to thank the voices you've heard on the broadcast tonight, including the many men and women who have been a part of the Motor Racing Network for over five fabulous decades. Until next time, I'm Susie Armstrong. Good night from Daytona Beach, Florida. Tonight's program was a presentation of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida. 50 Years of MRN was written and produced by Tyler Burnett. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Fifteen minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope. It's Geico. Uh, Yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those cameras up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc.